Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. He speaks in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 10 and 11. And, and he starts in verse 10 and, and he's saying that we need to know some stuff about God. And we, we started two weeks ago and he said you need to know Him first and foremost. Uh, last week we looked at the fact that it says, and know the power of His resurrection. Last week we looked at the reality that we don't just serve an eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus, we serve a resurrected Jesus, a powerful Jesus, a life-changing Jesus, a healing Jesus, a, a delivering Jesus, a Jesus who wants revival for the western suburbs of Brisbane, a Jesus who wants your street, your neighbourhood, your workplace turned upside down for Him. That's the Jesus that we serve. Last week was a shout, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We love resurrected Jesus' message. But Paul takes a different tact with his next statement. It's not as easy to shout and hallelujah and praise the Lord and amen uh, moments that we're about to read as, as we look at what Paul says next. Let me go to verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. That we may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the next one we're looking at today, and the fellowship of His sufferings. You know, it's easy to amen the power of His resurrection in our life, but it is painful to amen the fellowship of His sufferings. Today, if you're not sure what I'm talking about in the fellowship of His sufferings, I guarantee you in 20 minutes you will, and you'll less amen than you do just now. That fellowship word there, koinonia, is the word we get communion from. That's the word we get the, the understanding of, of us bringing a cup and a, and a wafer and celebrating together, together as a church, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where we get koinonia from. It's meant to be a fellowship together of eating and drinking of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ as we remember together what Jesus did for us. So he says right now, I want us to know not just the communion that we take a, a wafer and a, a small drink together, but we would understand that it is a together moment with something. He says it's a together moment with sufferings. In fact, if we take that word fellowship, koinonia, and we take its literal translation, the literal translation is to have partnership with. If we would come together and have partnership with the sufferings of Jesus. I, listen, I, I understand that this may be a little bit more difficult to amen. Because we understand as we read through the Word of God that Paul is saying, I wish that you would know how to partner get together with Jesus in your tough, troublesome moments of life. I trust that you can learn how to partner together with Jesus when things are difficult. I trust that you can learn how to partner together with Jesus through moments that you don't like, through moments that are tough, through moments that are difficult. Listen, we live in a vastly different generation than the generations gone by. I was reading uh, a couple of months ago of an article that went back from the beginning of the 19th uh, century and it talked through what it would mean if you were born in 1901 and the difficulties faced by the generation 
which was probably my grandparents, my uh, great-grandparents that have walked through those times and the, and the challenge of going through World War I, uh, challenge of going through the pandemic of the Spanish flu, of World War II, uh, of all the different wars that they'd walked through and they'd faced and the challenges that they'd gone through of life. And, and they were talking about the fact that we have a generation now that, yes, has also faced some significant challenges. In fact, they say the last three years are the most difficult years of our lifetime. We, we walk in a generation that has faced some difficult moments, but the responses of the today generation is vastly different. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, I, I watched a, a funny video on Facebook and uh, it was a difference between generational responses to walking into a doorpost. There was someone from the 1970s uh, they walked into a doorpost and they stopped and said, oh, I'm sorry, I apologise, and continued walking. Uh, someone from the 1980s walked into a doorpost, bang, hit the doorpost, stop and go, hey, be careful where you're walking there, mate, and continued walking. Someone from the 1990s bumps into a doorpost, says nothing, give the doorpost the angriest, filthiest look in the world and keeps on walking like the doorpost shouldn't have been there. Someone from the 2000s then bumps into the doorpost. They hit that doorpost a little bit like this, bang, and they're on the ground, on the ground like this. Ah, oh, oh, my shoulder, my shoulder, my shoulder. Grab out the mobile phone. Selfie moment. Hashtag victim. I've been run down by a doorpost. Anyone feel like there's some truth in that little Facebook video right there? To all those who were born in the 2000s, I apologise today. Love your generation. We know it needs Jesus significantly. The fellowship of the sufferings, the partnership with our sufferings, the partnership with the moments that we go through. Paul said that we are to partner with Christ, His sufferings, His difficulties, His challenge and have fellowship with the challenge, have partnership with the moment we're in have partnership with our challenging our issues. Paul's hashtag wasn't victim there. Paul's hashtag was victory through challenge. Paul's hashtag was the reality that we will face challenge. Paul's hashtag was the reality that right now as victors through challenge, we're partnered with Jesus and He's doing something in our life when we face the challenges that we are in. I read a great quote. It said this, Once the storm is over, you won't remember how you made it through how you manage to survive, you won't even be sure whether the storm is really over. But one thing is certain, when you come out of the storm, you won't be the same person who walked in. That's what this storm is all about. I feel like this quote just matches exactly what Paul is saying here. We partner together. We are in fellowship. We're in koinonia with the struggles and the challenges that we're facing every single day. And I know this, Paul knew a thing or two about challenge. We could go through the book of Acts and look at the things that he's faced and some of the statements he made around the challenges that he continued to face. He, he got the fact that he was going to face challenges and was in challenges and was dealing with challenges. In fact, he wrote these letter to the Philippians sitting in a jail cell in Rome awaiting a head removal. He understood challenge, but he didn't just write it from a jail cell waiting for, for death. He also wrote it from a point of walking through 
some of the worst challenges of his life. He got to Rome through the most difficult circumstances. I look from Acts 22 right through Acts 28. You see him facing challenge after challenges in 22 through to 27. He's, he's been arrested in, in Jerusalem. Funnily enough, he went to Jerusalem after everyone told him, if you go there, you'll be arrested. And they prophesied over it. He said, I know, I know there's going to be challenge, but I feel God telling me to walk into that place. He went to Jerusalem. He preached. He faced uh, persecution. He, he, he probably faced a little more than what even we face right now. I know people graffiti the front of a church. It's pretty bad. But this guy faced some serious persecution, some, some massive issues, no doubt about it. And he's thrown in jail. He goes from leader to leader. And finally, he, he appeals to be sent before Caesar. So they take him and they throw him on a boat and send him to go to Rome. If we pick up the story in chapter 27, he has been taken and he started off sailing his way to Rome. He's got a centurion looking after him. He's put with a bunch of other prisoners. And we get to verse 10 and they're about to sail and it's almost winter and they're not quite sure if they should sail or not. But Paul says to them this, he says, Hey guys, listen, if we sail, I perceive that this is going to end out bad. I perceive we're going to lose our ship. We're going to get shipwrecked. Things are going to turn out terrible weather-wise. Now, let me just clarify something. Paul, the tent maker, is speaking to the sailors, telling them what to do. Has anyone ever been that person that's building a house and the electrician is doing some stuff and you're there telling him, don't do that, you should do a little bit differently? Anyone ever been like that? The plumber's doing some stuff and you tell him don't do the roof tile's doing some stuff, the concrete is doing some stuff and you are the person. Anyone been like that building a house? If you have, don't. It's annoying. <laughs> just to clarify, it's got nothing to do with the Bible, just do with common sense of life. They know what they've got going on. But in this situation, the tent maker actually perceived something bigger than the situation he'd heard from God. And he says, hey man, if we sail, this is going to end out in a mess. Now, we all know the story, or if you don't, I'll catch you up on the story. They all say, you're a tent maker, you don't know what you're talking about. We're the sailors. We're going to head off and we're going to sail away. In fact, in verse 13, it says this, this beautiful little south wind starts to blow up and it's really nice and beautiful sailing. So they decide this is the moment. Let's head off to the next place where there's a better port and we can stay there all winter. This would be the best thing to do. A verse later, verse 14 says, as they started to sail off, they got a ways down the road and a strong northeast wind blew so strong that they couldn't even steer the ship anymore and ended up in a massive storm. Now, in Australia, the northeast wind is the worst and it's a painful wind. Over there, the northeast wind blows off cold Europe in winter from freezing weather and it causes massive storms. These guys are caught in this, what looked like a beautiful start to life, a start to the journey, and now they're in a mess. This reminds me of my life so often. I start a new year and I'm like, this is the new year that's going to be amazing and going to be awesome. I start off the new year with a beautiful, smooth sailing south wind that is cooling me and it is so lovely and I feel like this year is going to be amazing and nothing's going to go wrong. Mid-January, the northeaster storm starts to blow up. Anyone had one of those moments? 
My New Year's resolutions are gone in my storm in five minutes flat. I hate the world today is my song. We're going through a challenge. There's difficulty arising. I started with a beautiful little smooth sailing and all of a sudden it's rough and I can't even control my life anymore. I can't even steer. It says it got so bad that they put down the sails and they just let the northeast wind blow them and they couldn't even control the ship. Paul's in now the midst of a serious, serious storm. They're in the moment where there's challenge and it says weeks go by on this ship and they haven't seen the sun. It's been raining. They've been blown everywhere. There's strong current, strong wind. They're out of control. They're in the storms of life. They're in the moments of difficulty. So stuck there, they can't do anything. And we get to verse 21 and Paul comes and speaks to them. And let me just read it because it's a really cool verse. He says, But after long abstinence of food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said to them, Men, you should have listened to me when, and would not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Have we got any, you should have, heard, should have listened to me people in the room? Can I have an amen from an I told you so person in this room? This, yeah, yeah, I can see that, Wayne. I can see that. And it wasn't your hand I could see. It was definitely your wife's. Paul is right now in a situation, not of his own doing, of the doing of a captain that thought he knew better, the probably should have known better, but didn't know better. Now he's stuck in the midst of such a terrible storm. They haven't seen the sun. They're in the midst of their mess. And Paul is right here in this moment saying, I told you so, you should listen to me. Listen, I've been in moments of life where I told some people so and now I'm hurting because they didn't listen to I told you so. Now I'm in storm. Now it's my pain. Now it's my difficulty. I told you so. I told you if you'd done that, it would have been bad. I told you this situation was going to outwork like this. I told you. And it's actually costing me just as much as it's costing you because I told you so. Why didn't you listen? This is Paul in this moment. But I want you to note something. He doesn't camp in, I'm hungry, I haven't eaten and I told you so. In verse 22, he says, now let's get up, let's eat and be prepared for what's next. I perceive something's about to change and it could be bad. Let's eat and let's get ready. You know, I want to be really clear when Paul says we need to be in the place of fellowship with sufferings, we don't mean staying in sufferings. We mean in a place of readiness for what God's doing in the sufferings, in us, in our hearts, in our lives as a preparation for, yes, there's going to be something else behind that. Now, I know in our storm, we haven't seen the sun for weeks. We haven't seen the, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. In the storm, it's difficult to go past, I told you so. It's difficult to get past the frustration at others, the challenge that goes on when someone else has let you down, someone else has done wrong by you. It's difficult to get past that. But Paul is able to stop and get past it and go, all right, listen, I, I told you so. I've said it once. Let's move on. Let's go on with this situation. Let's find a way out. Let's pray that God would open a door. Let's get from a point, yes, we're fasted. We're believing. I can't hold on to the anger I had towards you because I need to move on because the fellowship with the suffering is always looking to where God's taking us. Paul could have stayed there. He could have been angry at that captain. He could have sat downstairs complaining. 
But he said, it's time to eat. Prepare ourselves for what's next. Fellowship in the sufferings is so powerful in the point when we know that God is leading us through, when God is taking us out, when we're not holding on to the anger at other people. Can I be really clear? You stay in suffering even when you're out if you carry resentment towards other people for taking you to suffering. Listen, you could be out of the storm. You could be sitting on a nice beach, but you've carried the storm with you because you're still bitter and angry at the person that I told you so. I told you so. You hurt me. You cost me. It was painful because of your life and your decisions. I know them. I've been there. I've walked in the moments like that, that others' decisions have cost me dearly and are so painful in my life. But if I hold them, if I stay in them, I can never walk into the fullness that God has through the fellowship of sufferings, through them bringing life into my future. We read on in the story further, skip through a bunch of verses. It says, Paul speaks to them and says, listen, we all got to stay together in this. You can't jump out of the boat until the moment is right. They, it says they run aground on a reef and, and the soldiers want to kill all the prisoners. But then Paul speaks and says, they can't do that because we're all going to make it together. We're all going to walk out of it together. It reminds me of the power of church, right? right. We make it together. I, I look around this room. I've prayed with many of you through your hard times and I know you prayed for me. I know you've stood in the gap for my life. I know you believe for Wendy and myself and the leadership team and, and you believe with other people in your life group and the people that are around you. This is the power of together. And Paul gets it. He says, we're in this suffering together. You got us here. Well, that's okay. We've taken strength. We're ready for getting out. We're in this together. The Bible says they get to verse 44 and they all jump out, ones that can swim, swim to shore, the ones that can't cling onto parts of the boat that are broken off. And it says they all got together and got to shore safely. Such a beautiful miracle, such a powerful miracle, such a wonderful thing. And, you know, I think of that. Can you imagine just stepping up onto that, onto that beach after weeks being on a boat? After weeks in the worst storm of your life. Can you imagine the relief? I remember Pastor Wendy and I went and stayed on a boat with some friends of ours for a couple of nights. When she stepped off the boat and stepped on the land, it was like, oh, the land is swaying. Weeks of storm, not seeing the sky. Can you imagine how much you'd be swaying when you stepped up on that land? But can you also imagine how good that land would feel under your feet? I have been in hell. I have been in storm. I have gone through heartache. But now I just step foot on dry land and it would have felt so good. I know this, the start of that journey and the end of that journey were wonderful. But listen, the start of the journey and the end of the journey weren't all of the journey. And it's mostly like that in our lives. Praise God for smooth sailing at the beginning. Praise God for being able to stand on this beautiful soft sand at the end and enjoy the beach. But listen, most of our life's journey is going through the storm, is fellowship in the suffering, is fellowshipping with Christ's suffering, is fellowshipping in the midst of our challenge. There's a danger here. Listen, we've got to be understanding. We will go through fellowship of the suffering, but don't let the suffering be your life. When suffering becomes our life and all that we see, we don't see the smooth sailing. We don't see the beautiful sand. When the understanding that, suffering is our whole life that's where poverty mindsets begin to hold us continually in brokenness 
I've seen people, Christians sometimes, that even when they're going through smooth sailing, are still looking out for a storm. Even when they're sitting on the comfortable beach after getting out of the storm, are still imagining the storm around their life. And in fact, they don't feel comfortable unless they're in a storm. Be careful. Know this, there will be challenges. Be in faith in those challenges, but don't live in the reality of challenges when you're on the beach. There's moments of fellowship in suffering, but there's also moments of knowing Jesus and the resurrection power that's in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in chapter 28, they turn up and that place that they arrived is called Malta. Pastor Steve, that's where his family's from. He's Maltese. It's a wonderful thing. Grateful for the fact they turned up in Malta and brought the gospel there. It's such a really, really cool thing. But we go on and read in the story and it says that the people that are there, the Maltese, welcome them. They build fires for them. And I love what happens in in verse 2 through to verse 5. Can we quickly read that? It says, The natives showed them unusual kindness. They kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a snake came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. So when the relatives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature in the fire and suffered no harm. There's a fair bit in these verses. Can I be honest? Can I just walk through this slowly and help us get what Paul is showing us through these verses? He's picked up sticks because he's able to keep going. People, are, some of them are so tired and exhausted. They're laying there frozen and they're starting a fire. So he's helping. He's picking up sticks and he's helping and gets bitten on the hand whilst he's helping. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes I'm serving God. Sometimes I'm in my right place. Sometimes I'm helping somebody else and they bite me on the hand. You ever done that before? You ever ministered to somebody thinking you're doing the right thing, serving God together, and all of a sudden you're getting bitten on the hand? All I was doing is help it out. Why am I getting bitten on the hand right now? This is not fair. This is not how it should be. I should be serving God. This should be all going good. But look, I'm being bitten on the hand. This is not the way it should be happening right now for my life. I was just serving God. I was in the right place. I was helping others out. And those that I helped bit me. Those that I was serving, I got bitten by. Isn't that amazing how that can happen sometimes in our life? It's bitten. I was just doing God's work. I was just helping someone else. And, and, I, and I love what happens from the others. Straight into judgment. Mate, that guy got bitten. Must have been his fault. He must be evil. He's escaped. He's got away from that and still gets bitten. That guy, I tell you what, being bitten by other people and judgment from other people is 21st century living, amen? Those two things, 21st century Australian living is is so clear. You're going to face it so often in your life. If you don't want to face it, don't leave your home tomorrow. Actually, you're going to still face it there, I'm sure. Because that's the reality of dealing with people. They bite you on the hand. I was just helping you out. I'm bitten. Now I'm judged. You're judging me. We live in a generation that doesn't want to judge, but judges everybody else. Judges everybody else. Throws judgment left, right and centre. We're going to face it. It's a continual fellowship 
of the sufferings. Jesus suffered in amongst the fellowship of the sufferings. Jesus came to the earth for the redemption of humanity and He got a little bite on the hand, just a little one. Jesus was here for humanity and He may have been judged once or twice by humanity. If we're going to suffer together, if we're going to be in fellowship with Jesus, the reality is we're going to face moments just like this. But Paul taught us something that's really important. Put his hand over the fire and he shook it off. He says he shook it off and he suffered no harm. Paul's trying to show us something of life and storms and fellowship of suffering. Yes, something is going to bite you. Yes, you're going to have words thrown at you. Yes, there's going to be judgments coming left, right and centre about your life, about your marriage, about how you walk and how you serve and how you do things and your Christian values. All these judgments will be thrown all over the place. But Paul showed us something so important. He put his hand over the fire and he shook off the snake that bit him. Listen, we sometimes get caught in, you damn snake, how dare you bite me? We sometimes get caught in, I was just trying to bless others and now I'm here in pain. We get caught in, why me? Why didn't the snake bite someone else? I was helping. Why didn't it go and bite someone sitting by the fire and join it and doing nothing? They should have got bitten. We get stuck just, I'm sick of this happening to me. I'm sick of this being my life. Maybe we're throwing out one of these. That snake bit me and I'm never going to help someone else again. I'm done getting bitten. I'm done being attacked. I'm done being judged. I'm out of that. But this is what he did. He put his hand over the fire. He shook off the snake. The snake fell into the fire and he went on just doing life. Shook it off and just walked into what God had called him to do. Keep reading on the story. It says they all realised he's not getting sick. He's not dying. There's something about this guy. Maybe he's a God. And his response, I'm no God. I serve the one true God. The risen Saviour that we talked about last week. The resurrected Christ. He's the one I serve. The resurrected Jesus. Listen, I'm, I'm sharing in His sufferings right now, but He's a resurrected Jesus. Yes, He suffered, but He rose again and He conquered my suffering. He conquered my despair. He conquered my hurt. He conquered the chains and the bondage and the issues. He conquered the thing that had fastened itself to me and was trying to cause me sickness. He conquered all those things. That is the Jesus. And the Bible says that people started to come to him and say, can you please pray for me? I'm sick. This guy Publius, he had a, a sick dad. And he said, pray for this guy. He gets healed. Then everyone comes to Malta and he begins to heal them. And they see an advancement of the gospel. Because he didn't stay in the fellowship of sufferings. He went back to the power of the resurrection. Listen, you will walk through the fellowship of the sufferings. You have to fellowship together with Jesus in the midst of the sufferings. But you also need to walk into the place of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that relieves and heals and, and delivers and redeems and sets free. It's coming back into the power of Jesus Christ. Paul did and he advanced the kingdom of God. Paul did and lives were changed. Paul did and people were healed. Paul did, and transformation came. Paul did, and the church was planted. Paul did. He found the purpose 
in the fellowship of the sufferings. Listen, the purpose isn't suffering. The purpose is also always outside of the fellowship of the suffering. The purpose is always in what God does in me so He can do something through me. The purpose is always that. In fact, Paul wrote to the Corinth church and spoke to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In verse 3 to 7, he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and a source of all our comfort. He comforts us in our troubles. He's the source of our comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. He says, listen, there is moments in your challenge. There is moments in your issues. There is moments when you're suffering and you're in fellowship of the sufferings. But there's always comfort that comes from Christ. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. I love Paul's heart here. He's not, oh, he comforts me so I can make it through another week, get to church and just like, oh, when I get to church, then everyone can look after me and someone can pray for me and lay hands. He said, no, He comforts us in our sufferings so that we can find purpose in our lives and be a comfort to somebody else, be a comfort to a workmate, be a comfort to someone in my street, be a comfort to, to one of my family members, be a comfort to someone that's there in our lives. He says, for when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us because we're in a fellowship of sufferings. We know how to walk through with someone else. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation, he's writing in the Corinth church. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. Listen, I know this. I know through the journey of sufferings and the fellowship of sufferings, there are moments that we will be on a hospital bed. I understand that. There are moments in our sufferings that we need to borrow somebody else's faith. There are moments in our sufferings we need to stop and say, David, can you pray for me? John, can you pray for me? With moments in our sufferings that we're going to do that. We're going to stop and ask, say, Jess, can you pray for me? I need your help to get through. There are moments in that. But as we walk through our sufferings, as we come to a place of fellowship with Christ and knowing that He's healed and delivered us and set us free, that knows through all of those things, He's going to strengthen us. He's going to strengthen us. And strengthen us, so when someone else is on the hospital bed, now I can come and pray for John because he's been standing with me. Because today he's there. Paul shows us that we need to know Jesus. We need to know the power of His resurrection. But we also need to know and understand that we're going to suffer and there's fellowship with Christ in it, fellowship with others in it. And listen, when we're sitting on the beach, we're also going to fellowship with others that right now are a bit sick, a bit hurt, bit lost, bit broken. And just like we're comforted, they'll be comforted. Paul shows us that there is always power in the fellowship of the suffering. There's always purpose in the fellowship of the suffering. And others are at the center of it. Yes, sometimes they're at the center of it because they caused it. Sometimes they're at the center of it because they're frustrating you. But we lift our eyes to see purpose, 
see what God's done in us and now what He's doing through us. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you, Jesus. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.